there are um, these wonderful things that are known as land banks. A lot of people don't realize what they are. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Jeremy Tillotson. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. And Jeremy is joining us from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He is the founder of Dreammaker Properties. What a wonderful name, by the way. He's been a real estate investor since 2007. He currently owns five homes and roughly about 30 vacant land parcels. And he has a story that you're going to really uh, enjoy from where he's come from and where he's at now. And his hobby ties into what he's doing. So let, without you know any, any other weight, let's talk to you, Jeremy, and let's hear about what is your background and what are you focused on right now? Well, my background is very interesting. Um, I came from a maintenance and construction background, my professional career. And um, when I started my first company, it was actually starting a uh, maintenance and construction company and started that about six months after uh, my wife and I got married. I'm not sure I recommend that for most people, Uh, but we grew insanely quick through a lot of variables. And that company ended up becoming a company with 17 employees. We started branching out into doing some other investments and really grew that organization and had a very large construction company. And then 2009 hit, and it was not a great time to have a construction company. Um, We had loans that were cross-collateralized between our companies. And uh, so when the bank came calling loans, it really took us completely down. And we ended up uh, having to not only go corporately bankrupt, but go personally bankrupt and completely start over. So it was a very interesting ride, but I wouldn't change it because we learned so much from it. And I think we're a lot better off in our investing today because of that. You went through personal and corporate bankruptcy, and now you're, the homes that you own, those five homes, are they owned free and clear? So everything that we do now is on a cash basis. Um, we do some uh, joint ventures on some of our flipping operations, but if we don't do a joint venture, it is a cash deal. We don't have any debt. Uh, the difference being a, in a joint venture, uh, if a deal goes bad, we're in that together. Uh, we can't have a bank per se call loan and, and wipe out everything that we built again. How did you save up the money after bankruptcy to get a fir- get your first property? There are um, these wonderful things that are known as land banks. A lot of people don't realize what they are. When a property goes through tax sale, 
there are inevitably properties for whatever reason that did not sell at those tax sales. And we picked up a house from there for um, $1,000. The house needed a ton of work, but I did say earlier that I'm a construction guy. So we were able to acquire this property very cheap and start doing uh, some rehab work on it and rent that out and then use those rental incomes to uh, buy other heavily distressed properties and start to rehab those and rebuild our portfolio that way. A land bank is what's, you said land bank, L-A-N-D, bank, right? Correct. So most of the areas um, will have something similar in that properties that don't go through tax sale they don't want those just sitting in limbo forever. They don't want the uh, property owner to still own a property when taxes haven't been paid. So a land bank uh, primarily exists to take that either tax lien that was never bought or the tax deed and actually acquire that property. Um, sometimes in the land bank deals or frequently in the land bank deals that, that we do, there will be a lot of taxes that were accrued on that property. So at tax sale, there might be a $10,000 minimum bid on that property. But when the land bank then finally acquires it, they get to statutorily wipe out all of those liens. And they might put that up for a $1,000 minimum bid then at that point. Um, so there are definitely, uh, it's definitely a buyer beware and you need to be careful. But, you know, you're going to go through a list of a lot of vacant parcels. Many times those won't be worth a lot, but there's always a diamond in the rough. And looking through those lists, we have uh, we have found some really great deals and some deals that have been just mind-boggling. We bought some um, some vacant ground before for $150 and turned around and sold that out for 5000 So it may not be the most, per se, money in the world from that deal, but percentage-wise, it's phenomenal. And when you're just starting back out with nothing, that – $4,500 profits is sometimes the difference between being able to rebuild your portfolio and having to take a day job again. Let's pretend I have $200 in my wallet right now and I want to do that exact approach. Go to a land bank, buy a piece of property for 150 bucks, and then sit on it until, uh, or market it, whatever, whatever you do to get the, the $5,000 buyer what are the specific steps I need to take in order to do that? I don't know if you'll be able to do it for 150, but if you have 500, that may be more realistic. And um, so you would, um, in, in our uh, local area, uh, we would go to the land bank. We would have to put a bid in. Um, so you, this is a situation where you really have to have cash, but you don't have to have a lot. But you would have to go in and... Uh, pay whatever the bid amount was in certified funds um, to the people in charge of the land bank. In two weeks, you would find out if you were the high bidder or not. If you were the high bidder, you would receive deed to the property in about a week. That is going to give you legal title, but not necessarily uh, insurable title that you can get title insurance through. So you would need to then check with the title company either before you buy it or after uh, to make sure that Either it is insurable or know that you're going to have to go through quiet title. In our case, uh, our property was insurable. So we went in and we mowed the grass. It probably hadn't been mowed in a year or two. We cut down a bunch of trees and brush. We did all that work ourselves uh, and turned around and started to market the property. Um, when we bought this, it was one of the wonderful diamonds in the rough. And we were 
not very far away from a college that was growing. I think we were only a few blocks away from a college that was growing. So we sold that off to another investor who decided to wait for the college to buy it. And I think about two years later, then the college actually bought it off him for about 13000 So You mentioned you bought one piece of land for $150. And when, uh, whenever I mentioned the example, you said you need 500 Why do you need 500 if you buy it for 150 We've bought them for 150 because we've established relationships and we've done it so much now that we've kind of gotten to a point where we can do that. So there's how, how does the relationship factor into a bid that you're making on a property? Because they know us and they know that when we buy our properties, we're going to clean up the trees. Uh, we're going to clean up mowing and, and that is going to do good things for the neighborhood. So um, for us, it's about um, investing in the neighborhood and making money, but at the same time doing the right thing for the neighborhood. And in doing that, it's always seemed to do very good things for our business. Who is in charge of the land bank? Is that a municipality? Is that an organization within each each town? How do you find that land bank and how do you find the right contact person? Um, so I was doing some research for this interview. And like in Michigan, for example, if you were to Google Michigan land bank, they have a entire website that lists all of the different land banks within Michigan. Um, It is going to be an array depending where you're at, whether it is your municipality or your county that's in charge of it. In our case, our county is in charge of it and it's actually operated under the authority of the building department. So it's kind of weird, um, but that's how it's done in our county. Is it called a land bank everywhere or are there different terms that it might be referenced as? They are generally known as land banks. Um, In our specific case, uh, we are known as a community development corporation, and it may be something like that, but they are all going to essentially function the same way. Uh, Most areas, if you were to Google land bank, uh, you will be able to get directed into the right place. I do a lot of posting on bigger pockets and had people um, ask me questions. And just with a simple Google search, I was able to get them to the right link within the matter of five minutes or less. So I've got 500, I, I've increased the amount of, of money in my wallet now from a couple hundred dollars to 500. So now I have $500 in my pocket. Wouldn't that be nice to automatically just increase money in your wallet? But I've got $500 in my pocket. I've done my research. I go to the land bank address. I see that in my county, There's it's at so-and-so street. I arrive at the doorstep, I enter, and... What do I say? I would ask them for um, a list of whatever properties that they are looking to auction and talk to them about how the process works because every process is going to be a little different. So I'm a very big person about building uh, networks of people. And, you know, that person that you talk to is going to be your ally there as far as um, helping you know uh, when properties are coming available new on the list. They're going to be your ally and just letting you know in general any changes that are coming to the program. So I believe in networks. Um, So you're going to do that. You're going to want to talk to them about if you can buy multiple parcels. And if you do, would the price decrease for that? You also want to make sure that if you're buying houses for these land banks, there are some places that require you to put up proof of funds that you have the work to, to uh, the money to do the work to these houses or the skill set and capability to do the work to the houses themselves because many of them are going to be very depressed um, 
and, and distressed properties. The other thing that you want to do then is talk about how the combining of parcels work, and they may refer you to a different department. Frequently, um, when you're talking inner city infill lots, a property may be on the tax sale or not selling the tax sale list because it's too small to build on. But if both of those parcels uh, that are neighboring each other end up at the uh, land bank, then it's very possible by them at, for a very discounted price, combine the parcels and, and have forced appreciation tremendously. Okay, Jeremy, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think that if you are to find a niche that no one else is doing and find a way of making money on it, you essentially have your own monopoly. Um, for us, we built our business back by finding inner city infill lots, combining the parcels together, and selling them out. That's something that so many people told me to stay away from, but yet we rebuilt our entire portfolio using that exact model. How come more people aren't doing that? I don't think a lot of people realize it's available to do. So many people don't talk about the land banks, and I had three or four of my friends ask me not to speak about this, and even myself, <laughs> I was conflicted because I don't want competition. <laughs> Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, if you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24sound at 24sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning best ever. Okay, Jeremy, best ever book you've read? Of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book just like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it was uh, watching our company go through bankruptcy and realizing how to better protect ourselves um, with asset protection. Best ever success habit you practice? Never taking no for an answer. Best ever deal you've done? We bought a very unique uh, land bank parcel for about $3,300. We just closed on that in December and made... Uh, I think we walked away with a $25,000 check, and we didn't have to put any money into that. We held it for about nine months. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? We're definitely looking at doing um, some small, um, very small two-bedroom uh, or very small three-bedroom uh, housing to for the millennials and to directly target them. It's definitely a unique concept, and we're rather excited about it. Best ever quote? May you be blessed with the measure that you use to bless others. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Not vetting my partners thoroughly. How do you vet your partners now? I, I still go on a gut feel, but I do a lot of research about them. Uh, Google is your friend, and if somebody has scammed somebody and you search them, you're probably going to find some remnants of it somewhere. And what's the best ever place to reach you? Uh, my cell phone is probably the best place to reach me. 260 440 0402. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. Land banks is the topic and the result of that topic in our conversation just opened up the doors on um, how to approach land banks, what the heck they are, um, the specific step-by-step -step process to take whenever you're reaching out to the land bank point people. I, I think this was an episode that 
you know, like like many others, but this one in particular with land banks, this is something I've never never heard of. And call me ignorant, and I'll call myself ignorant for not having heard of land banks before. I, I've heard of land flipping, um, and perhaps the land flippers I've had on the show, perhaps they're tapping into the land banks, but I just haven't heard it reference this. And um, I'm glad that we you went through the step by step process of how to go from I've got money in my pocket to actually making deals and the questions that you asked to point people and the importance of the relationships. As you mentioned earlier, you can pay less money for particular properties or parcels of land if you have an established track record and friendship relationship with the people who are making those calls. And also mentioning, you know, the type of questions that you ask them like, you know, combining the parcels, how does that work? Do you offer bulk discounts? Do you require proof of funds? Talk to them about the whole process. Uh, so very informative conversation. And I know the best ever listeners got a lot of out of it, as did I. Thank you for being on the show. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.